to stand with me in honor of God's Word. We in verse number 7 of Colossians chapter number 4. All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you, who is a beloved brother and a faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. With Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother who is one of you, they shall make known unto you all the things which are done here. Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, saluteth you, and Marcus, his sister's son, to Barnabas, touching whom you receive commandments. If he come unto you, receive him. And Jesus, which is called Justice, who of the circumcision, these are only my fellow workers unto the kingdom of God, which have been a comfort unto me. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you always, laboring fervently for you in prayers, that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. For I bear record in him that he hath a great zeal for you and for them that are at Laodicea and them in Hyopolis. Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. Salute the brethren which are in Laodicea and Nymphus and the church which is in his house. And when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also in the church at the Laodiceans, and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. And say unto Archippus, Take heed unto the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord, that thou shalt fulfill it. The salutation of the hand of me, Paul. Remember my bonds. Grace be with you. Amen. Father, we ask you to bless the reading of your word. We pray that we would recognize your spirit. You are here, Lord. You are moving among us. May we yield ourselves to you. May we surrender ourselves to you and may you speak to us this morning. For Lord, if you do not show up and you do not give us what we need, then Lord, all this will have been done in vain. So we're looking to you and depending upon you. I pray that you'd fill me with your spirit. You'd enable me to preach. And Lord, again, may you be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. And amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Church is important to the Lord. As a matter of fact, the Lord Jesus Christ said that He shed His blood for the church. He purchased the church with His blood. And one thing that Paul makes very clear to us in this text is that the church, the ministry, is bigger than one person. The Apostle Paul couldn't claim that the church is all about him. In this letter, as he concludes this letter to the church at Colossae, Paul reveals to us that ministry involves a diverse unity of Christians working together, encouraging one another, loving one another, serving alongside one another for the glory of God. Yet, the more we live in our land today, church has become more and more about entertainment, more about appearance, how we can appear to be successful, how we can over-inflate our numbers and over-really inflate our our reach, and our influence, how we can bloat our egos and brag about ourselves. And Paul says, listen, the church belongs to the Lord. All through the book of Colossians, we have been studying the preeminence of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And we come as he concludes to this ministry and the preeminence in ministry, God has chosen to bring imperfect people into his body, his family, through salvation experience, bring them in, save them, clean them, change them, and use them in this day we live to change the world. Church is important. But do you know that all of the world is going against the church and many of them don't even know it? You know, the devil doesn't have to convince us that church is not good. All he has to do is to convince us that, that ball games are more important, that vacations are more important, that my, my me time is more important than the church of the living God. All he has to get us to do is to think that church is something, just a little bit a part of our lives. Now I tell you this, I stand and I repeatedly have said this before, I thank God I grew up in the church I grew up. Our church was not perfect, but the church I grew up in, we always had something going on for the glory of God. And it was a wonderful experience. My fondest memories from a child and all throughout my adolescent years into young adulthood, my favorite memories revolve around the church and what we did at the church. Sadly today, church is just another activity we do. It's just another uh, event on our calendar that's already overbooked. But Paul says church is something different. In writing this letter to the Christians, the church at Colossae, he says, listen, let me encourage you to work together in unity for the good of the church. Now we know our responsibilities outside these four walls to lost people. We know our responsibility is that we should share our faith with them and we should reach them with the gospel. But do we know our responsibilities to each other inside this church? Paul says, let me encourage you to work together in unity with the goal of glorifying our Father, glorifying our Lord Jesus Christ for the good of the church. So what does Paul teach us about ministry in this text? Notice, first of all, the people of the ministry. There are many different people listed here in this passage. And ministry requires people. This building is not the church. You and I are the church. People make up the church. People matter to God. You are needed. You're not here by accident. You didn't just walk through these doors and by coincidence. God brought you here. And He placed you in this church for a reason. And the reason is, you matter to this church. It makes a big hole when you're not here. Notice the people of this ministry are number one, diverse. Tychicus was a, an evangelist. He was on a mission journeys, a future or previous mission journeys with the Apostle Paul. How about Onesimus? Onesimus was a runaway, thieving slave that somewhere he stole from his master, he ran away, and somewhere along the way he crossed paths with the Apostle Paul. Paul won him to faith in Christ, and now. He's actively serving the Lord. It's a diverse group of people. 
People from all walks and all life. And aren't you glad that this church is not made up like people just like me? You can say amen. It's all right. It would be a really boring church. It would be a real boring church. We are not all the same. But God wants us to work in a unified way to glorify God. And a lot of times, those differences that we have, they become stumbling blocks. Those differences we have, they become like irritating points on a, uh, on a, a pad of friction, if you will, rather than being celebrated as being diverse. And let's just go for the kingdom of God and His glory. You don't have to look like I look. You don't have to act like I act. You don't have to think like I think. You need to pattern your life after Jesus Christ. It's a diverse group of people. Aristarchus. These names, man, they're tough, aren't they? This fellow was a fellow prisoner. And we go on down and Epaphras and, 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 and so many other guys in this text. They're different. Paul is saying, listen, they're all needed. You're needed, church. Number two, about these people, they're distinct. Every one of these people were saved. Not only were they saved, they were surrendered. Not only were they surrendered, they were serving. Paul is sending them to the church for the benefit of the church. You can't be a member of the church if you're not saved. You have to be born again. You have to have that experience where God takes you and passes you from death unto life and makes you a new creation created in Christ Jesus. But just when you get saved, God's not going to just leave you there. He loves you just the way you are, but He loves you too much to allow you to remain the same. He is going to, he is going to bring you, conform you, He's going to build you into the image of His dear Son, Jesus Christ. Now, that might be a painful process. But these people had surrendered. Onesimus surrendered his life. Philemon is all about that. Paul's sending him back. And he says, if he wronged you, when I come back through, put that on my account. And when I come back through, I'll pay you. Paul stands on behalf of Onesimus. Onesimus was surrendered. He changed. Now he's on the evangelistic team with Paul. He's serving. He's going to the church. And he's going to the church for the reason that they might know their estate and they might comfort their hearts. It's distinct. Saved. Surrendered. Serving. Listen. Everyone in this church ought to be serving somewhere. I can't tell you that. I'm not being mean. I'm not being selfish. Listen, you are going to stand and give an account before the Lord Jesus Christ one day. You don't have to answer to me. You answer to the Almighty. And you'll stand before Him and you'll give an account of whether or not you served Him since you were saved. Years ago, growing up in a church, I watched men and women, saints of God, gray-haired saints, who did things far beyond their ability to do it. Men who built cabins and at a church camp and, and men who worked on buses and women who went out every Saturday morning and, and w- witnessed to people and tried to win them to Christ even when it was snowing. I watched people with disabilities who, who should not be able to do things sweep a parking lot with a broom in one hand and a limp and a 
curled up hand on the other side. Sweep the church parking lot. Because he was serving Jesus. I've watched some of you in this church serve Jesus beyond your physical abilities. But guys, we've got to come to the place in our life where we understand that church matters and God's called us to be saved. He called us to be surrendered and He called us to be serving saints. Everyone ought to be doing something for the glory of God. And you can't blame someone else. You can't say, well, you know, so-and-so hurt my feelings, so I'm not going to serve in that ministry. Are you kidding me? I'm sure someone's offended you before at Walmart, but you continue to go back. And if you haven't been offended in Walmart, you're probably the offender. I'm just saying. If we had no people, we would have no ministry. If Paul wrote to the church and he didn't have anybody to take the letter to the church, how would the letter get to the church? And don't be sanctimonious smug on me saying, well, God would foreordain to it. Just stop. You know what I'm telling you is the truth. If we had no people, we'd have no ministry. Do you know that this church was closed down and boarded up for years? And another church came in. Temple Baptist came in with the Tri-State Bible College and they formed an alliance. Temple Baptist paid from Portsmouth, paid the utilities for this church. And Tri-State Bible College would supply a pulpit until they got a pastor. Then Dave Frazee came in and the church grew exponentially and God blessed. God blessed. Listen to me. If there's no people, there's no ministry. People matter. You matter, church. You understand you matter. You're a key element in this church. You say, well, pastor, all I do is clean. Listen, that's not small in God's eyes. Some of you say, well, preacher, all I can do at this moment is pray. That's not small in God's eyes. Everyone ought to be serving. Notice number two, the participation in the ministry. Same ministry, different responsibilities. There are... As I said earlier, there are responsibilities we have towards the people that are outside the church. We are to win them to faith in Christ. Inside the church, there are a certain different set of responsibilities. Notice what these responsibilities are. Number one, if you look in verse number eight, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose that he might know your estate and comfort your hearts. The first thing is we ought to know each other's Conditions. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that when one of us hurts, all of us should hurt. When one of us rejoices, all of us should rejoice. You uh, work hard and, and you go out and you buy something, the church ought to be happy for you. They ought not to be jealous and run you down. Well, you got your new this, that, or the other. You know what fuel and that's? Jealousy. To which I say, show them the payment book and tell them they can have one too if they make the payment. But I've seen it years over and over and over. People will work hard and they'll get something and they're so excited about it and some old crusty curmudgeon Christian will come along and just put water on their fire. I've seen it in churches where people will look at the teenagers and they'll complain all the time about the kids and the teenagers and they won't do one thing about it. And teenagers are dealing with a whole set of other issues that we've not, we're not dealing with today. 
They come out to church camp and they say things like, Oh yeah, it was real spiritual, but I wonder how long it'll last. All you're doing is telling on yourself. Not them. We ought to know each other's estate. We ought to know and love and be there for each other. When one hurts, we all hurt. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. Secondly, he says, to comfort your hearts, to encourage, to build you up. This is a place we come where we ought to be built up, not torn down. Let me just say this. Some people need to hear this message. Stay in your lane, bro. That was a commercial. Some of you know the commercial and some of you don't. And what he was saying was, he was telling the guy to mind his own business. You do what God's called you to do and leave the other saints alone. Let them do what God's called them to do. Too many people want to uh, uh, criticize and critique everyone else. It's like the the, uh, famous theologian Harry Mayhew told me. You watch your bobber, I'll watch mine. There's a lot of theology in that illustration there. We ought to comfort and encourage one another. Build up each other. You don't know what someone's going through. You don't know what they're battling outside these doors. You don't know about their family situation, their work situation, their health situation. You do what God called you to do and be an encouragement to everyone else and leave them alone. Amen. Number three. Instruction of biblical truth. When we come to the church, he speaks and he says, And Marcus, sister's son to Barnabas, touching whom ye received in commandments, if he come unto you, receive him. Paul is saying, listen, we come together, we have the responsibility to instruct one another with the Scripture. Uh, People tell me, I had a guy tell me not too long ago, you know that you can pay this much money and you can get free internet sermons. That's what's wrong with our church. People getting their sermons from the internet, not from God. I did the same thing, I laughed, it's okay. That's the state we're in today. You can purchase this and, and you can have a year's worth of sermons, preacher. It'll make your life much easier. Are you kidding me? Whatever happened to opening the Bible and teaching the Bible? You know, you and I, we learn a little here and a little there. I could ask you what I preached two weeks ago and 90%, 99%, you ask me, I probably have to look in my notes too. I'll be honest with you. Because we're human. But what happens is someone's preaching the Word of God and God's Word's being spoken and been preaching and in there we see something we've never seen before and it puts an intelligible imprint in our hard drive. And later, when we need that, it's recalled from that hard drive and God blesses with it. That's how we learn. A little here, a little there, the Bible says. That's why it's so important... That's why it's so important to... Uh, I spit a little bit. I didn't mean I'm giving you a little... Sorry. You didn't have to make that reaction. Nobody would have ever known. But <clears throat> Come back up here. <laughs> Hallelujah. I don't know about washing the blood, but washing the pastor's spit. Hallelujah. Uh, I don't even know where I was. But anyways, we, we, uh, <laughs> we, we get to a place in our lives, church, honestly. We come to a place in our lives where 
We, we constantly need to be entertained. We've got to have the next gimmick, the next gizmo. And, and the instruction of the Word of God is not enough anymore. Let me tell you something. Open the Word of God, read it, believe it, obey it, teach it. It'll change a church. One of the men whom I love greatly, I never met him, he's in heaven, but I used to follow him. And when I was in uh, seminary, we, we uh, pastoral theology, we used his handbook, was W.A. Criswell. W.A. Criswell was a prince of preachers. He pastored the First Baptist Church of Dallas. And he preached from Genesis 1 all the way to the end of Revelation 22. He preached verse by verse every passage. There were more people in the church. It was a large church, several thousand. There were more people in at the end than when he started. 17 years and 3 months it took him to preach every verse through the Bible. And he did it. And he said that his church was stronger because of it. Guys, we've got to get our messages from God. We've forgotten. I'm not the boss here. The teachers, the deacons are not the boss here. The Lord is the boss here. He has given us all that we need right here. And we need a return to the instruction of Scripture. No matter what it is, whether it be a banquet, whether it be a fun time of playing games, our policy is we always Open the Word of God for a time of instruction. Because it is, encour- it is encouraging to us. It builds us up. It lifts us. It prepares us for the coming storm. It is so vitally important that we have the Word of God. That's why I encourage you to keep reading. You say, Pastor, man, I had a bad week and I've fallen behind. Listen, I've fallen behind too, but don't quit. Don't quit. We're not erasing. We're trying to do this so that we grow in our faith and that we know the God of the Word more. We're not doing this to impress anybody. We're doing this because we need it. So don't quit reading your Bible. Keep reading it. Be encouraged today. Don't let the devil discourage you. Listen, you you don't... I'm telling you this. You you may not, in the midst of it right now, you may not like it. But when you get done, you'll have a a peace in your soul knowing, listen, I've read every word of the Bible. I'm going to read it again. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to love it. Instruction, the biblical truth. Number four, prayer. Prayer. Verse 12, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant, saluteth you always laboring fervently for you in prayers. Did you see that? He's not just praying, but he's laboring fervently in prayer. We ought to pray for each other. We ought to pray and encourage each other. And, and just you, you ought to be able to say, listen, pick up anybody's number in this church when you've got something going on and call them and say, hey, brother, hey, sister, can you pray for me? I'm really struggling right now. And that person ought to say, yes. You know, I, 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 anybody else have a forgetful memory? Um, many times people will tell me to pray for them, and, and I'll forget. So what I start doing is if that, someone asks me to pray, I say, let's pray right now. Let's pray right now so I don't forget. Let's not give the de- devil an opportunity to use my mind against me. Let's pray right now. And guys, listen, prayer is vitally important. The Welsh revivals, uh, the, the Moravians, the, all of the revivals that have broken out, all of those happened because there were men and women sold out to God, praying for their brothers and sisters in Christ, praying for a great move of God, praying that people would be saved. Prayer is vitally important. Number five, to finish strong. Look down in verse 17. And say to Archippus, Take heed to the ministry which thou hast received in the Lord. Now watch this. That thou fulfill it. 
Finish strong. I remember the uh, first race I ran in when I was running a lot years ago. And uh, I thought, it was in Huntington, I was in great shape. I thought I was going to do very well. And the first lesson I learned is you never start up front. Because there were these Kenyans that could flat out run. And when the gun goes off, everybody's excited and everybody's running and you're keeping pace with them. You're not keeping pace yourself and what you can run. About a mile into the race, I've got side stitches, which I was well prepared for. I'm hurting and I'm wondering what's going on. And I look down at my watch and I'm running like a two or three minute faster mile than I normally run. I cannot sustain that. I did not sustain that. There were people passing me at the end and I was oxygen. Wanting oxygen. I did pass that little old lady in the chute, though. I got by her. You got to have some dignity. But anyways, let me tell you this. There are a lot of Christians that come out of the gate for fire. They're like great fireworks. And then they let some little thing make them mad, and they're gone. They let somebody say something, and it just bothers them to the point where, you know, I'm just going to quit. Listen. Finish strong. We ought to encourage everyone. It's not how you start. It's how you finish. Finish strong. Paul was the one who said he finished strong. He he fought a good fight. He kept the faith. He finished his course. He finished strong. Listen, if God calls you to teach Sunday school, you teach Sunday school no matter what. Till the last breath you have, you keep preaching, teaching Sunday school. Don't give up. We owe it to each other. You never know when your faithfulness will encourage someone else. You never know when they see you coming when you don't exactly feel like being here, but you're here and you're not grumpy about it and you're doing the best you can to serve the Lord. You don't know how much you are encouraging them by doing it. Number three, he says, the product of ministry. One pastor who pastored a very large church said this, we use the work to build great people. We do not use people to build a great work. Can I repeat that? We use the work to build great people. We do not use the people to build a great work. And what he was saying is, people matter to God. It's not all the buildings we build. It's not all the the, the, uh, the material possessions we have, the fame, the notoriety. None of that matters. Ministry should produce great people. Notice he says in verse 12, this was the prayer, fervent prayer, that you may be able to stand perfect and complete in the will, all the will of God. We ought to build people in this church that stand perfect, mature. That's what that means. Complete in all the will of God. Men and women, boys and girls that love to do the will of God. We ought to encourage that. We ought to build into the lives of that. We ought to encourage our teenagers, listen, go into the schools and be salt and light. Even though they might laugh at you, it doesn't matter. What you need to know is where we were. We were in high school. We did the same things. One year after high school, you never see those people again. Listen. The product of ministry ought to be mature, complete, fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Not perfect people. 
No such thing. But people who are devoted first to Jesus Christ. That's my priority. That's my, that's my, my sole purpose in life. Is I want to be faithful to Jesus. We most glorify God when we're most like Jesus Christ, I believe. Our product should be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Guys, we can spend hours passing baseball with our children, shooting basketball with them, going to every event in the world with them. But if we don't teach them to fear and know and love and honor and obey Jesus Christ, we fail miserably. I saw a statistic, less than one half of one percent of kids grow up and go to the next level. Those who make it to the next level, an overwhelmingly high percentage of them spend one year in college athletics and drop out. And we pour all of our energy into making sure that they're this great athlete. And we fail miserably. Let them be kids. Man, I, I, they wrote me into coaching basketball. Anybody knows I'm not a basketball coach. No one else would do it. I felt bad. And I told the parents, I said, don't expect great things from me. I'll let your kid play. Hopefully he'll have a good time. And uh, I think he'll like me. That's all I can promise you. The first practice, I had to call them all together and say, okay, boys, everybody here put your feet in the middle of the circle. And they all stuck their feet in the middle of the circle. I said, now let's all take a minute and look at everybody's shoes. All they want to talk about was everybody's basketball shoes. I got the LeBrons and I've got, you know, all these different shoes. And that's what they were worried about. They were worried about shoes. I said, let's get it over with. Let's all, ooh and all. Okay, now, can we play ball now? And uh, you get this great, you design this great plan for them to play and this great play. And all right, all right, you ready? Okay, break. They go out there and they don't do it. So I finally started saying, I got one, one boy on my team, he was really good. And he went down one time, and he was dribbling, and he did a spin move and made a layup. And I said, do that again. That's, what, that's my coaching. Do that again. And so he went down one time, and next time he just kind of threw it up. He went back by, and I said, don't do that again. That, that's about the extent of it. And listen, I'm telling you guys, I've been around a, a long time. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. There's not a one person in this room who has a child that's wayward who wouldn't give anything you have for that child to come home. Listen, the most important thing is we teach these kids is to stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. To teach them to fear and love Jesus. The reason we run buses and the reason we have to... That's a difficult ministry. And I'll tell you this. There's an overwhelmingly number of children that we pick up or that are in fatherless homes and it makes a difference. It makes a difference. God's plan is perfect and when you disrupt God's plan, it's a mess. I'm not saying that there's not justification and all that. I'm not talking about that. I'm just telling you it makes a mess. And what we need to do is we need to make sure that we are saved, surrendered, serving men and women Encouraging each other to stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. That's our duty. Let's encourage. Let's not be too critical. You don't know what someone's going through. Ask them if you can help them. Ask them if you can love them. Ask them if you can pray for them. Ask them if you can do something for them.
you'll be happy you did. Because the ministry is bigger than one person. It's God's design. It's God's idea that we take care of each other. That we love one another. We provide for one another. And I ask you this morning, are you all in? Are you all in? I'm going all in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surrender myself to the Lord and to the work here at the church. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to serve Him. And I'm going to do my very best to be an encouragement to someone else. I'm going to love people. Even people that are not like me. I'm going to love them. And I, you know, I just kind of made up my mind. I'm going to love people whether they love me back or not. Because it is a lot better for me emotionally than to always be fretting and worrying about it. All I can do is what I can do. If I offend you, I'm sorry. If I know about it, I'll try to make it right. And uh, I just want to love you. I want to encourage you. And I want you all, I want you all to encourage one another. I don't want you to get defeated and get down. The devil's going to pound on you. The flesh is going to go against you. The world is going to close its walls in on you. You're going to have pressure. And you're going to have to draw some lines in the sand. And I'll tell you, you'll be glad you did one day. When you stand before Jesus and you hear, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Are you with me? Would you join in? Would you jump in today? I'm all in, Pastor. Not to you, but to the Lord in this church He's placed me in. I'm going to be faithful in my church where God's placed me, where God's called me and saved me, and, and, and I'm going to surrender to Him, and I'm going to serve Him for the good of the church, to be a blessing. You know, I'll just say this. It's encouraging to a Sunday school teacher when people come. They study all week, and they're excited about their lesson, and they go in there, and people don't show up. It can be discouraging sometimes. And a great way to be an encouragement is show up. Be here. Just be in your place. It's an encouragement. And you'll get so much more than just encouragement. You'll have a time of your life. We're having fun here, aren't we? Those of us that are serving, we're having a good time. We're seeing people saved and we're seeing kids in Awana, 60 and 70 kids coming. God's blessing. Won't you get in with us? Paul makes it clear. Ministry involves people. And we need people. And we need you. Would you help us? As we prepare for invitation, would you bow your heads please?